Welcome to this episode of our new AWS podcast series, Innovation Ambassadors. I'm Sarah Armstrong, and as Senior Manager for Worldwide Prototyping at AWS, I'll act as your ambassador to some of the most interesting engagements with our AWS prototyping teams. On this episode of Innovation Ambassadors, we're showcasing the journey of sports broadcaster Eurosport and their work with our global accounts prototyping team. When fans increasingly demand more and more personalized viewing experiences, how can machine learning and live video processing services be employed to create more innovative content? Find out how Eurosport collaborated with AWS to create exciting moments for their viewers, integrate those capabilities into a unified production system, and scale to support fans across Europe. I'd like to welcome Mark Amu, Vice President of Information Technology at Eurosport. Thanks for being with us today, Mark. Thank you. And from AWS, we have Kevin Olenichak, Senior Manager from our Global Accounts Prototyping Team. Always great to chat with you, Kevin. Thanks for having me. So Mark, for our international listeners, can you tell us a little bit about Eurosport? Eurosport is the group in a discovery group taking a care of the sports portfolio uh, we have and the rights we have to produce up to 40 different uh, local version of Eurosport 1 and Eurosport 2 across Europe. We own some uh, very big rights like uh, the Olympic Games, cycling, national tours. Uh, so snooker is very is very important in some market, but also tennis, uh, as we have all the, the major tournaments in our portfolio. And, and we are broadcasting uh, roughly 60% of our time uh, live event on, on channels and a growing uh, digital service where we expose everything, every every live event we have available on the, on the digital service of Eurosport. Tell us a little bit about your vision to bring machine learning to the services that you're able to provide to your viewers. One challenge we have is that we have more and more uh, major rights, major events that we have to treat, to process, to edit uh, at the end, to broadcast on our linear uh, channel or on our digital channel. But if we want to enhance the content and propose a a better experience to the the viewer or the, the subscriber, it's good to have some metadata and, and information on top of, the, of those events. And we, we are reaching a moment where there's too much volume to be treated by, by a human. We have a documentalist team, but definitely the, the for us, the right path is on a, an automated process. Uh, and that's the reason why we made this spot to assess what, what we can do with AI and, and machine learning. So multiple sports, multiple languages, personalization, lots of different players in there that fans might want to see highlights on, et cetera. So Kevin, talk to us a little bit about how you approach this from a technology standpoint. Yeah, the prototype we worked on with Mark was a six-week engagement, and it started by just working backwards and listening to those particular needs and outcomes that he wanted to achieve. Certainly, we appreciated the scale of things for production. You know, Looking at their website, you can clearly see how many sports that they're serving, uh, ultimately, with all of this. And you know, as the story was told you know, from Mark, I think that you know, you've got many different markets uh, that they're rebroadcasting the content in, and the need to customize that, personalize it, if you will, uh, to the needs and interests of that particular market to increase the viewership of it. So how do you, you know, is that 
those number of sports and the volume of material that they have to process grows and the markets that they're turning that around into very quickly, uh, it sets a stage for automation, right, and, and a need there. So we looked at that and took it on in, in our engagement to first start by looking at segmentation and, and how would you, we started with tennis and that's what the prototype scope was on, but we, we looked at tennis and we said, well, how can we figure out, you know, where the beginning of the play was, you know, the serve to point scored or it goes out of bounds and then that business of segmenting it gave us the clips, but then start to look at how we could enrich those segments with additional data that helped bring priority to that. So when you wanted to say, well, give me uh, the best moments, uh, as Mark would say, you know, we could prioritize and then select what you want. So whether you're reducing down to that two and a half hour tennis match down to 30 minutes, or if you just want to find ultimately all the best match point, a shots and game points, things like that, that you'd have the ability in in an automated fashion to do that. So, you know, we worked through that as we, we met each week and made progress on some original sample tennis video that was provided to us. You know, we studied that. We looked at uh, what was common about the scenarios that were occurring and, and how we could automate. And what you can see clearly in tennis is a repeatable pattern of camera angles that are being used when they produce that. So they might go from uh, when the player is about to serve, they're, they're close up uh, of that player's face, and then they move to a wide shot that's over the shoulder of the receiver. And then sometimes even an overhead shot uh, from a bird's eye view, so some a few different uh, combinations there. But you know, we started with scene classification uh, in a machine learning technique that took key frames from some sample video that we grabbed from tennis and processed that through our Amazon recognition custom label service. Made it very easy for us to come up quickly with a model that could tell us the classification of you know, those different frames. And then we wrote our pipeline to automate that. So, you know, going through it, looking at frame over frame, uh, what do we see in the patterns? And when we see the particular sequence that we're expecting, then we know that that's the beginning of uh, a tennis serve, for example. And likewise for the end of the, the action on it. That was a starting point for us, right? In terms of just to identify where are the clips within this live feed. And of course, right now, Mark, this is something that's done by humans, right? This is something that's very labor intensive by folks you have working for you doing this by hand. Yeah, absolutely. Today we have a, a team of, of documentalists who, who is uh, analyzing and doing segmentation, mostly based on, on the match we are broadcasting on live channel, meaning that we are not covering every match of, of a tournament, uh, far from that. And but yeah, if we should have a team to treat all the match of a tournament that would be a, a very important, very big team. So that's uh, not really feasible. Very difficult to scale that out for all sporting events, right? So Kevin, what were we able to achieve with using those recognition custom labels and the segmentation? How was the accuracy? So we worked off of a single tennis venue and court service type originally just to kind of keep the scope narrow like we often do in prototyping. And uh, we had about 95% accuracy on that uh, pretty quickly. When we look at counting the number of, of actual tennis serves, you know, uh, compared to what the automation found, that was about where we were landing. So, you know, I, Mark, uh, I don't know, would you say that was a pretty good uh, starting point in a few weeks, hitting, hitting 95%? Was that exciting for you? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, it was a uh, very... Interesting to see how, how precise it was and, and finally how robust was the, the platform. And it was also fun to propose you some other courts and samples of other tournaments where you have different lights, different ambience, a different sound, 
also and, and different coat color. But, yeah, you surprised uh, us with that. We weren't expecting that, but that, <laughs> that wasn't part of the original plan. But that was fine. We welcomed the challenge. So that was yeah. I remember that day when Mark's like, "This looks good. Let's try nine new tournament uh, and court venue types." And we're like, "The whites of our eyes shone if you could see us, you know." And Kyle, our, our data scientist on the project, was nervous. So, but that was fun. I think we we took it. We took it in. You gave us the sample videos, and and we all virtually because we were all remote huddled up around our computers and watched the first results come in from the uh, the prototype automation as to see how it did. And uh, yeah, it was exciting. I think we only we uh, ended up around ninety three percent accuracy. So just dropped two points, and that was with a model. And this is really uh, that was built with Amazon recognition custom labels again, which. You know, really simplifies the process of machine learning uh, in many ways. I think it was only about five minutes worth of keyframes that we actually processed through there to train that model initially. So, not a lot of source material provided yet. Uh, I guess to the credit of the service and to Kyle to come up with a, a pretty, uh, pretty decent starting point for us. You trained it on clay, right. which is sort of right. red, right? Outdoors. And then there's all different colors of. Yeah. Okay. And the then blue there's green, and the there's colors. blue, and there's all different, even purple sometimes, huh, Mark? <laughs> yeah, every every colors, every every yeah, a type of of, of a surface, and and also surrounding. Uh, that was good. I mean, and and it's it's really the for us when we will use the, this solution. It, it will be our experience to, to treat all the different tournaments and different conditions. So that was a, a good test to, to assess that this system can, can handle every type of tournament without spending a lot of time to retrain the, the models. The, yeah. Fantastic. So talk to us a little bit, Kevin, about how we dealt with the fact that it's not just the video. There's also an audio aspect and component to these broadcasts, of course. And these are being broadcast in 40 different languages, is it? Uh, up to 20, 20 languages, yeah. 20 languages and then you get to stereo audio track, so that makes it 40, but yeah. So, you know, as Mark shared it, you know, we were trying to narrow in early days on the prototype about what success looks like. And, you know, it became the story as well. I'll start with make it look as good as our human editors, you know, and we drove, uh, you know, I'll chuckle a bit on that because, you know, that's the task at hand. I think by diving deeper on that, we come to learn that, well, how you place your edit in and out points is also very important. You know, that human editors would make that look very clean. And by clean, that means, you know, we're not interrupting the announcer if we can do that. I think also making sure we don't have any scene flickers, you know, with short duration frames of, of video that may have been just preceding the, the mark in point. So being able to have automation that looks at the audio, looks at the video was important to try and optimize the mark in and mark out placements. And that means we would adjust them in and out respectfully by, a, you know, maybe a few seconds to try and find a better, more pleasing location for that. Because otherwise, you can end up with a situation where the the, the raw um, starting point of a clip might be the ball thrown in the air by the server, you know, and then you go immediately to a the racket hitting it, and it's so abrupt that it, uh, you know, if you just pad <laughs> right. it a little bit, you know, and then find the right spot, or maybe you're interrupting an announcer, right? That's uh, continuing on. And I think knowing how we can scale out a solution that both achieves a low latency result for uh, some of the key use cases uh, that Mark Scott was important. And so when we look at those 20 audio tracks that we would process, then it becomes, well, we need to fan that out in like step functions, AWS step functions, where we did a lot of the pipeline design and make that parallel. So we do all of that optimization work, uh, decision-making in parallel as we, we go through the various video pieces coming in through AWS Elemental Media Live service. That becomes a way to then have optimized results. We store that, and then we can share that back out with the people that are consuming this in an automated fashion. 
And Mark, that low latency, just really important for you. Of course, you're doing live broadcasts as well as you wanting to provide highlights almost immediately, right, to your subscribers. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's important uh, both on, on the TV because you may need to rebroadcast the, the match you just finished in in few, sometimes not minutes, but hours or on other channels. So you have to prepare the what we call the repeat very quickly. And yes, on the digital people who have missed the like the beginning of the match or or just missed the match you want to have a, a highlight uh, a summary of the match they, they want to have it very quickly and, and as soon as the match is finished you, you should be uh, able to to provide the, the the best moment the best shot uh, of the match so that's uh, yeah the reactivity is critical and especially when you you have uh, up to 10 match in parallel at the same time i think being very uh you know they don't play tennis day and night all the time, right? So I think for us, it was important to make this a a cost-effective solution for uh, Eurosport. So when we looked at the choice in architecture, services from AWS to apply to this, you know, it was very clear that this was a good opportunity to use serverless techniques and and an event-driven architecture. So for us, you know, as... And scalable, depending on the the moment of the tournament. Right, right. So... And then the idea being that you pay for what you use, you know, we, we took it to heart here. It became Media Live Service, which was a service that Eurosport was already using, became a good choice for us to, to piggyback off of. And from there, we get clips into S3. We can trigger a custom pipeline through step functions for us. Uh, and then that fires off our AWS Lambda function code that does all the processing, whether in sequence or parallel, wherever it makes sense to accomplish the results that we're looking for here. So in that case, the billing goes to zero, if you will, when the tennis match ends. And you know we can also then do multiple matches that are occurring in parallel, and the AWS resources scale automatically to support that. Right, that cost optimization is so important when you have multiple events, uh, multiple sports going on at the same time, and of course wanting to provide highlights, etc., to a broader market than you otherwise would be able to. And of course, you want to make sure the costs don't make that prohibitive as it is prohibitive now with the manual aspects. How would you compare the two, Mark, just in this initial proof point in terms of what you were seeing in those manual edits and efforts and what the automation is going to bring for you? I would say that that with the automation, you have everything. The challenge is to, to detect the best shot where when a, a person is, is treating a match, usually they know where they have to point and they will straight go to the set points and probably will miss some some uh, some other uh, scene that they haven't the time to look at so uh, that's a different approach but i think we, we will miss less important moments with this system than, than what we could miss with a, a human team yeah. And I think just you know from a cost perspective, in terms of how things turned out, it was on the prototype itself. I think we were, uh, if you looked at a thirty-minute segment of tennis that we process, it was seven dollars with AWS service consumption costs, and uh, conversely eleven if you do some of the additional debugging clip generation that we had, so that you could preview the work, um, which is something you do in a development environment, but uh, it's in an operating uh, production environment. It been it looked like it was around seven dollars. Now, granted, there's other things you're gonna probably do as you take a prototype forward into production that uh, probably changed some of those costs a little bit. I think, Mark, you would say it was a compelling number to, uh, to start with and explore this further. So we often talk in this podcast about you know, the need for agility 
and embracing sort of failure or being able to fail fast and learn from that and pivot to different ways of doing things. Was there anything here that was a particular challenge or kind of blocker that you had to work around? Yeah. So I think for that type of challenge, you know, one of the things we were exploring at the very early days of the prototype were choice of services. AWS has lots of options. Uh, so it's, you know, it's great for us to be able to come and help a customer guide them on some of the best choices for their needs. So, you know, we looked at our AWS Elemental services, which are broadcast lineup of services uh, to help customers like like Discovery and Eurosport. But we also considered some of our other services we've had that do streaming and support video like Amazon Kinesis Video. It had a direct hook to where you could apply machine learning, which was very valuable uh, in this case because of what we were trying to do. But you know, it's what, as we navigated some of those things, we you know that seemed like the obvious choice on, on day one in in some ways. But as we got into it quickly, we found out it had limitations in the number of tracks that it can support. So it's it's three, which is your video plus a left and right stereo audio track. But as Mark shared more of the requirements and how all these other announcers tracks are occurring uh, across you know twenty different languages. 40 audio tracks that appear to us, it was clear we were going to have to do a lot of coding around the service to try to support that kind of, of use case. And uh, when you pivot back to the Elemental Media Live services that we have, it, in, in its ability to do multi-track audio in a much greater scale, along with the, the notion that the quality and it's built up around the broadcast uh, types of needs for image quality and throughput uh, and, and so forth, that it seemed like the clear, the clear winner here for us in this particular architecture. What was also important for me on, on this POC is not just to create a POC just to, to make a demo of what we can do, but also build something that, that is coherent with platform that will use those information, those output, and make sure yeah, that we can design something that will fit our broadcast platform and, and our post-production platform uh, by feeding the right information, the right tags on each type of scene, etc. So we can quickly say at the end, yeah, that would with, with some, some effort that could fit the, our platform and this is the right way to feed our uh, asset management and then have, have this, this real uh, implementation live for our uh, um, broadcast operation. So that, that was also something interesting. We start with tennis, right? But you've got a variety of other sports that you mentioned before that you're broadcasting and you want to be able to have that scale out and be flexible to accommodate that. And you had to take that into account in the design, didn't you, Kevin? We did. I think when we thought about designing for both the immediate needs to prove how AWS can support Mark's uh, use case here, but also how it would that look in production, right? It gave us an opportunity to design for both and balance that. So we looked at more of a plug-and-play type of architecture in our choices where you can bring in different plugins, if you will, to support the different kinds of content. So if you are doing a certain type of sport that can do scene classification, do segmentation, how can we make that as reusable as we can, knowing that other sports may follow a similar pattern uh, that can be leveraged there? Or if you're going to do different detection for audio to not interrupt announcers in your optimization of those clips, how do we do that in a way that's reusable and it can be just linked back in um, without coding changes when that, that next sport is ready to be supported? It wasn't something I think that was specifically stated as a, as a requirement, but it certainly came, it was apparent in the conversation, you know, if we were really working backwards from the bigger picture of what uh, Eurosport was looking to achieve. Tell us a little bit about what the next steps are, Mark. You've got some proof points. You know that this is a direction that will work for you. What's the next step in integrating this into your systems? 
I would say we have built the foundation, and but the, there's still some work, like for example, having an algorithm that will rate the the different segment that we've discovered with, with some interest level, etc. Probably crossed with some aspect on 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 region of country uh, of language, because the goal at the end is, is really for us to have a, a solution where we, we can ask. Uh, for uh, uh, an highlight of let's say 20 minutes, and the system will will, will package and propose the the list of segments of 20 minutes for this player or this country. So it will require probably uh, some, some some extra work. And and what also is remaining, but we have worked on that and we have prepared it. That is make sure we integrate this in the, in our platform to be able to feed uh, with live feed coming out from our uh, channel. And also get all those information back into our uh, media asset management, so so people can benefit of it and get this those information on uh, on our media asset management and our, our, on our digital platform uh, on our content database. So that's uh, there's still some more. Yeah. So bringing that level of coverage that you're able to achieve or that you can invest in now in major tournaments, etc., to a variety of different sports and and the entire season. That's ex- super exciting for your and and customized to your your different markets and their own language, highlighting their favorite players. That's fantastic. Super exciting. So as we complete this conversation, Mark, I'm wondering what would you share with our listeners about the experience and the work that you're doing to transform your own business with technology. For me, it, it was really important not to just do a, a demo, a puck, but make something that is realistic, treating real records of, of match, uh, real picture, uh, not just treating some fancy sports. And, and that, that's we were very focused on, on what the key sports we, we have to deal with. And, and, and that was the really uh, strong interest of this puck and this approach. And also the learning. I mean, I have to be honest uh, that with this, we accelerated our, our competence and knowledge on, on machine learning. And now we know what's feasible, how it is, what's the effort behind, and, and it will help us better understanding what would be the, the load and, and the effort to treat different sports uh, and, and different type of events. So that that's very, very good. Kevin, how about you? Any takeaways from this engagement? When we do approach prototyping, you know, customer has the big picture in mind of what they want to achieve. We've got a limited time period to work with uh, in in our particular prototyping engagement we do, which was six weeks. So it was important to be really focused on what mattered most uh, to Mark in this case. You know, He made it very clear it was the AIML type approach to solving the problem. We really sunk uh, our teeth into that aspect of this. And I think working through the iterative process of three sprints, two weeks each, but still checking in every week, getting feedback on how we're doing, allowing us to pivot as we needed to, as we appreciated more of the challenge, you know, thinking about how we can make this more reusable for them, which saves time and most importantly, cost, you know, to develop and maintain on the long haul. So, you know, that it becomes more attractive uh, and practical for them to take forward. So I think those are things we appreciated as we went. And in the process, I think, in prototyping lends itself to that. In our case, we're not operating under a legal SOW uh, that, that both parties are signing. It's an agreement between us. Uh, it's a partnership with uh, Eurosport in this case to to pursue this and, and find the best solution possible and, and do that in a in a way that has the risk there, but it's also a great chance to see if we can find the reward in all of it by having that freedom to make the right choices every given day. Fantastic. Well, Mark, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your journey with us. You're welcome. Thank you very much. 
I'd like to thank our listeners for coming on today's journey with us. Innovation Ambassadors is a production of the AWS Media Series. Look for future episodes of our vodcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite streaming platform. If you have ideas for future episodes or comments on this one, send us a tweet at hashtag AWS Innovation Ambassadors and share your thoughts. Thank you. Thank you.